When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the ground, Odor from second. The Orioles win it. A 2 nothing shutout. On the ground is short. Mateo boots it, grabs it, and throws in time. And the Orioles win the series. A 5 nothing shutout on Easter Sunday. Is this fun or what? Strike three swinging. Lopez lets out a roar as the Orioles collect their third shutout of the young season. A one nothing white knuckler, and it's three punch outs and five batters faced. But look at Brandon Hyde with a smile as wide as the Bay Bridge. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, a writer and researcher at MLB.com. This is where I usually say I'm joined by Matt Myers, MLB.com national content editor, but he is off on a well-deserved vacation. I'll be joined in a few minutes by David Adler, who's going to talk about some of the best new pitches of the year and the really interesting thing he found about Bryce Harper. Before we get to David, I had to start off with a topic that we don't usually talk about very much, and that's the quality of the Baltimore Orioles pitching. Yes, I'm being serious. I looked this up this morning, and I feel like this is just a moment in time that's not going to last that long. So I have to at least bring it up because the Baltimore Orioles pitching has been fantastic. They are at the moment tied for first in baseball and wins above replacement at 2.5. They have the fifth best ERA. They are number one in ground ball rate. They have only allowed three home runs and they have three shutouts in the last nine days. And if you're thinking to yourself, who pitches for the Orioles these days? That's a fantastic question because the one guy you might have known was John Means, who's been their ace for the last couple of years, and he's hurt. I'm going to read you five names. All five of these pitchers have thrown at least four innings and allowed zero runs. I promise you all five of them are real names. I made up none of these. Chris Ellis, Bruce Zimmerman, Joey Crable, Keegan Aiken, and Ciano Perez have all thrown Shut out baseball. I have to point out some of these guys because they're interesting in different ways. For example, Jorge Lopez was a below average starter for the Royals for a couple of years and the Brewers before that. He was actually designated for assignment by the Royals in 2020. He entered this year with a 604 ERA. He's their closer now. Do you want to know why? Here's his sinker velocity starting in 2018 93, 93, 93. Last year, 95. This year, 98 which is a thing that is kind of eye-catching. I've already talked about Felix Bautista on the show last week. Dylan Tate was the number four overall pick in 2015. That was the draft that Dansby Swanson went first, then Alex Bregman, Brandon Rogers, Kyle Tucker was number five, Andrew Benatendi number seven. He barely pitched for the Rangers and the minors. He was traded to the Yankees in the Carlos Beltran deal in 2016, traded to the Orioles in the Zach Britton deal in 2018, didn't even get to AAA until 2019, and then, of course, 2020 never really happened. He has spent the last couple winters at driveline, upping his velocity. He's got this ridiculous sinker now. He's allowed one run in seven and a third innings. Listen, 
I know the Orioles are not going to pitch this well all year long. They are 24th in strikeout rate. That's not good. They have the 12th highest walk rate. Also not good. And the offense has been really bad. The offense has only hit four home runs, which is the fewest in baseball. Um, but then when you think about the fact that the pitching has allowed the fewest in baseball, you start to think to yourself, oh, yeah, whenever anybody talks about a home run rate being down, in addition to the 20 new humidors that came online, remember, they took a giant chunk out of the left field in Camden Yard. There's already been a few balls that would have been home runs in year past. So I know this isn't going to last. I don't think this is like the beginning of the next great Orioles team, but there are signs of life there. And remember this. Grayson Rodriguez is coming. The number one pitching prospect in baseball is at AAA. He's made three starts, 23 strikeouts, two walks. It's been a long time since we've been able to say anything all that kind about the Orioles' team and especially their pitching staff. But in the first week or two of their season, three shutouts in nine games, they have been incredibly impressively good, especially considering they've done it all without John Means. Next up, we're going to welcome on David Adler to talk about some of this year's nastiest new pitches and the really interesting thing you didn't notice Bryce Harper was doing on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mike Petriello, and I am joined live from City Field by David Adler, who is our friend and colleague. And David, you wrote an article that made me both happy and sad, I think. Happy because it was super cool and sad because I totally wanted to do it and you beat me to it. So thank you for that. You looked at some of the nastiest new pitches of the year. Not the same stuff. Not Max Scherzer throwing the same stuff he always throws, but the new pitches that are really interesting and before I ask you about a couple of these, I want to know, how did you decide which ones were going to be on your list? Did you have a, a formula? Did you just kind of eyeball? Have you been making a list as you've gone on? Where did these come from? For yeah, you? so I did not have a formula. Uh, I kind of went a few different directions. One, I looked at uh, pitch movement leaderboards to see if there were pitches on there that we haven't seen before. Uh, see if there was any guys throwing uh, new stuff or throwing their old stuff differently. Uh, I watched a lot of Pitching Ninja clips which is very helpful because every day he uh, does the nastiest pitches of the day. And if it's a guy who I haven't recognized before, there's a pretty good chance it's a new pitch. And then I can go look at the data and figure out, you know, like how nasty is this guy really? And uh, then just some things that I've seen in the news, like Andrew Heaney throwing the sweeper, uh, Luis Severino adding a cutter, things like that. Uh, it all just got put in there. You know, we've, we've heard a lot about the sweeper. We haven't really talked about it much on this show, but basically it's a, a slider or a breaking ball that is much more horizontal than it's been in the past. Like, I, it's kind of funny to me we're talking about it like it's a new thing when I'm pretty sure it's just what Corey Kluber was doing for all those years. Uh, it, when you see a guy throwing a sweeper, is that a new pitch for you or is that just a different version of a pitch he had before? I mean, I guess it depends on the guy. You could just uh, start throwing it or you could change your slider to to just make it into that style of slider. I mean, it's really just a type of slider, whether you want the slider to break 
down or break across the plate. It just happens to be the type that's now in vogue. All right, I have to ask you about one of the guys on this list because he's got uh, a, a the name of his pitch. I think nobody else in baseball has it. He is a one-man band. He throws a splinker. So this is Joan Duran of the Minnesota Twins. He throws a splinker, which, uh, as he describes it, is part splitter and part sinker. It is impossible to classify that. Stackhouse calls it a splitter. There's really no right answer, I don't think. When you watch it, does it look like something unique to you, or does it just kind of look like a very fast splitter? Like what what stands out to you about his splinker? Well, I mean, that is kind of what makes it unique, is because it still looks like the nastiest splitters. Like it looks like Otani's splitter. It's just like really, really hard. And Otani throws a hard splitter. Otani throws like a 91, 92 mile an hour splitter. And this guy throws a 96, 7, 8 mile an hour splitter, which is why it's so crazy. Like it's got all the velocity of like the fastest sinkers. And it also has the like bottom dropping out movement of the best splitters. So like it's, it's the type of thing like you, it's the only pitch like it. Like it's kind of like Emmanuel Classe's cutter or like when Aroldis Chapman was the only guy throwing 105 miles an hour or like Jordan Hicks's sinker. It's like just a pitch that you can only see it from this one guy, which is what makes it so cool. I'm about to uh, break every rule of doing a pre-recorded podcast to say that I'm watching the Tigers game and Miguel Cabrera is coming up to the plate looking for his 3,000th three, 3, hit. And he said earlier today that he will bunt. And I'm just fascinated to see if he will actually do that. And no, he swung away, swing and miss. You started your list with Hunter Green. Uh, Hunter Green of the Reds comes out and he throws absolute heat, right? He's averaging 100 miles an hour with his four-seamer. I, Of course, that's why you led your piece with that. How could you not? Was there any part of you, I'm trying to figure out how not to be jaded by this. Like, it's amazingly cool. It's super cool. And yet we see guys throwing 100 all the time. Like, does he stand out as much as you thought he would? Well, he stands out just because of the sheer quantity of 100 mile an hour pitches that he's throwing. Like, that's what the records that he's setting, you know, he's thrown through more 100 mile an hour pitches in a game than anyone since pitch tracking started. Uh, And like, like from starting pitchers, you just don't see 100 with uh, this regularity. So like maybe his fastball is not it's not different from all the other hundred mile an hour fastballs like like Yon Duran's splinker is different from all the other splitters, but Hunter Green stands out just because of how often he can do it, and he is just super nasty. Like his slider also looks like, great pitch. Like his fastball is his fastball is just the one that just catches your eye right off the bat. You got ten pitchers on this list. I'm not going to go through each and every one of them with you, but nine of them I know pretty well. Luis Severino has obviously had a really good career. He's added a cutter. He's looked very good. Uh, Matt Brash was firing up prospect lists last year because of his slider is insane. There's one guy on the list that I can honestly say that even I had never heard of a week ago. That's Ethan Roberts of the Cubs, and I'm guessing that this was the one that stood out to you just kind of by looking at the leaderboards and seeing this is jumping off the page at me. Who on earth is this guy? Yes, that is exactly right, because I didn't know who Ethan Roberts was either. And then you look at the pitch movement leaderboards and uh, his slider is breaking more than 20 inches horizontally. Uh, it's breaking 11 inches more than an average slider, which is you know the most slider movement above average of any pitcher. Uh, number two is Otani, who you saw his slider last night basically was either a call strike or a swing and miss every single time he threw it until he gave up the the hit that lost the perfect game. Uh, and then Matt Brash, who you just mentioned, was in this nastiest new pitcher story. He's third. So, I mean, this Ethan Roberts guy, I, he's like number 30 on the top 30 prospects list for the Cubs, but like I don't think anyone really knew anything about him. But then like he threw this one slider to for like a strikeout this in the first week of the season, and it broke two 
two feet, 24 inches, which is insane. <laughs> so like you see that and you're like, oh, well, like maybe I should pay attention more to this guy. Uh, the last guy I want to ask you about here, I know he's not pitching today while you're at the Mets game, is Tyler McGill, who has been a really breakout star of the season for the Mets, which is huge for them because DeGrom has been injured. And I think the first thing everybody thinks of when they watch McGill so far this year is, wow, look at the velocity. Where is that coming from? Uh, but you wrote about his slider, and I thought that was really interesting. It's not just about him throwing hard. It's about him improving the secondary pitch. Yeah, I mean, like the first thing everyone always notices is like if the guy adds velocity, which which he did. I mean, you, you know, go with all of a sudden you're throwing 99 and people are, are going to see that. But then he's also just added a lot more drop to his slider than he was uh, throwing it with last, last season. And I think, you know, that's important, especially, you know, everything gets better when you're throwing harder, but like for him, you know, you need the, the secondary pitches and, you know, the improvement to the slider, uh, you know, that's, that's a big thing to notice, even though he got hit around a little yesterday, <laughs> which I was here to see also. Right. Um, I want to change topics for a second. You wrote about Bryce Harper, I guess it was a couple weeks back now, and you did something really interesting. You broke down the two different swings he has. He's got a kind of higher leg kick swing and he's got a toe tap swing. First of all, I want to commend you for being a crazy person because I'm pretty sure you did this all by hand. You went and watched what hundreds of swings and manually marked them down, which is super cool. Um, what inspired you to do that? Like, what, when did you watch that and say, "I have to know how he does this all differently"? Well, I mean, yeah, I did do it by hand, and I watched just every single hit that Bryce Harper got last season, which is a lot of hits, you know, which you would expect since he was the MVP. And uh, it's it's because I have always liked watching Bryce Harper hit. And, you know, you think of Bryce Harper swinging, like, it's a, like a very, you picture a very like graceful swing with like the big gradual leg kick, like the back kind of ticks over his head and then he crushes it. But like, it also, this has kind of been in the news periodically over the, you know, last several seasons as he's incorporated more and more and more of this toe tap variation into his swing. And, you know, when you think of hitters doing something like that, like kind of shortening up the, their, their approach to hitting, like you think it's kind of like a two strike thing or something like that. And with him, it, it's it's not really like that. I just I just wanted to find out like when he was swinging with each swing and and basically how he did with each swing. And it kind of turns out he's really good with both, uh, which I mean again, not that surprising. It's Bryce Harper, but uh, you know he basically kind of goes through phases of using each style of swing. Uh, he kind of hits it a little farther with his leg kick, which also not surprising. It's kind of like a you know more traditional big type of swing. Uh, Sometimes he hits a little harder with his with his toe tap, but uh, so it, he's kind of making really good contact both ways. And it, it, I think uh, for for him, it's like if he's going well with one, he's going to stick to it. If he's going well with the other, he's going to stick to it. Like first half of last season, used a lot of traditional leg kick swings. Second half, a lot of toe taps, and then you know that propelled him to the MVP. Um, but very good with two swings, and I think it's pretty interesting that he has two distinct swings like that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask you is it doesn't seem like it's based on, you know, lefty pitcher or ready pitcher or game situation. It's just, here's what I feel good with now and I'm going to keep using it until I don't. Yeah, I think that's really what it is. I mean, he, there's like some general things where like if he's ahead in the count, he's a little more likely to use the big leg kick. And if he's behind in the count, he's a little more likely to use the toe tap. But it's not like, like, for example, Bo Bichette does the, like gets rid of his stride completely with two strikes and just, just does a, a toe raise thing. But it's not, it's not so consistent with Bryce. Like, if you look at what he's doing this season, like both of his home runs have been with the toe tap, but he's also hitting some doubles with the big leg kick. Like he's uh, like in this last series against the Rockies, he's gotten hits with, with both swings and kind of similar, similar counts. Uh, 
you look at the home run he hit off Edwin Diaz this season off like a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, that was with the toe tap. If you look at the home run he hit off Edwin Diaz last season on a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, that was with the leg kick. So same pitcher, different swing. I, I think it's just kind of whatever whatever Bryce wants to do, Bryce is going to do. Yeah, no, I found it really interesting. And I'm, I'm sure you're being asked to replicate it for other players. And then you have to say, well, yeah, but it took me forever to watch, you know, 300 different swings. <laughs> it's not like a button you can you can check. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, you know, this early in the season, it's so hard to know what to look at as meaningful, right? If a guy's hitting 800, who cares? If a guy's hitting 100, you know, who cares? That's why I liked the pitcher's piece you did because, you know, you can see a, a new pitch type, new spin, new velocity, like real fast, and it's generally meaningful. Uh, one of the other things I think you can get to pretty quickly is foot speed, you know, which is sprint speed in the stack as vernacular. And uh, you you pointed out something pretty interesting to me earlier, which is that two extremely highly touted rookies who are struggling terribly at the plate have showed up really high atop the sprint speed leaderboards uh, in Bobby Wood Jr. and Julio Rodriguez. And I'll uh, give you credit for that because you noticed that. Is that, I guess it's interesting, right? But is it giving you any other hope for the fact that they've started off the year so slow? Well, like, the main thing why I noticed it is just because it, it's kind of cool that they're the two big prospects who got called up and they're basically like, two fastest players in the league right now. Like Bobby Wood Jr. is number one on the sprint speed leaderboard. Julio Rodriguez is number three on the sprint speed leaderboard. Uh, they're both, you know, hitting that elite 30 feet per second, like threshold regularly. They're just, it's Trey Turner has done it the most. And then it's the two of them. Um, I kind of think it might be related to them struggling at the plate though. Like you feel like, like they've been like really hustling to try to beat out these infield hits and things like that. And, you know, maybe if they're hitting bombs, they're, they're not, uh, you know, running max effort on all these, you know, infield ground balls. But I think it is cool that these young kind of guys who you're hoping are going to blossom into stars, at least they've, they've shown that they have this one elite speed tool. Now, hopefully their, you know, main tool, the bad, you know, catches up. All right. Last question for you. You are at the uh, city field press box right now. It's a day game. What are we eating today? Well, on day games, I, uh, I always eat eggs. So I'm happy that they have the omelet station in the media dining room. Ah. Okay, Uh, good recommendation. Not as exciting as I hoped it would be. (laughs) All right, David, thank you very much. Go back and watch the game. David Adler writes at MLB.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at underscore Dadler, D-A-D-L-E-R. We will be right back to finish up the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Thank you, David. Thank you. And we are back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, and our thanks to David Adler for talking about nasty pitches and Bryce Harper. The one topic we're still going to do this week, because I love doing this one so much, is the guy you should be talking more about. My guy this week is Jeremy Pena. He is the starting shortstop for the Houston Astros. He is not just a rookie. He's not just any shortstop. He's the guy replacing Carlos Correa. Up the middle, Jeremy Pena with a base hit. Good battle right there, won by the rookie shortstop, Pena. And when Carlos Correa left, when he signed with the Twins, they didn't get Trevor Story, they didn't get anybody else. Pena sends one to deep right center field, all the way back Rodriguez, and he will watch it bounce off the wall. Pena's thinking about three. They just sort of handed this kid the job, and he's been really good. 
How about Jeremy Pena's night as he shoots one to left field? This ball's gonna bounce off the base of the wall. Pena has a single and a triple, add a double to that. He is three for three with a sack fly. Have a night, young man. He started 11 out of their 12 games so far. Listen to this hitting line. 308, 365, a 590 slugging percentage. His hard hit rate of 50% is excellent. Maximum exit velocity of 110 is excellent. A league average strikeout rate. And the really the thing that has stood out to me the most is if you look at him on defense. Looper Pena going out and he makes a great sliding catch. Jeremy Pena right in front of Michael Brantley. Phenomenal. As he watched that young shortstop flying to make that play. He is tied for second in baseball right now in outs above average. That's the StatCast defensive metric. I don't want to go nuts about a rookie's of first 11 games in the big leagues. Obviously, struggles can and will happen. But based on what we've seen so far, the Astros have really gambled correctly that they had an in-house replacement for Carlos Correa. It's actually a really interesting story. He is the son of a former major leaguer. Back in the 90s, the Cardinals had an infielder named Geronimo Pena. Geronimo Pena. That's his dad. The guy who the Cardinals are all sorts of excited about. He can flat out fly. So Jeremy Pena was born in the Dominican Republic, went to high school in Rhode Island, went to college at the University of Maine. Not exactly a baseball hotbed. In fact, only two modern hitters have ever played more than 100 big league games who went to the University of Maine. Mike Bordick was a shortstop for a long time, and Mark Sweeney, a first baseman outfielder, uh, both played in the mid-90s and early 2000s. He is also the owner of one of the most memorable moments of the year. He hit his first big league homer on the first Friday of the season. It was one of those Apple TV games. Yes, I am here with Jeremy Pena's parents. When he hit that home run, at that exact moment, his parents were in the stands being interviewed on live TV. What are your nerves like watching him play? I know you were a player yourself. Are you more nervous playing or watching him? No, I feel nervous. Now I think indeed. Happy, happy, happy now. Oh, come on. Happy, happy, happy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. What a moment. They'll always have that moment. That's a cool baseball moment. He's playing really well. And it's important now because Jose Altuve is injured. So if Pena wasn't performing and Altuve was injured, the Astros would be in a little bit more trouble than they are. He is a guy everybody's very high on, and it's been really fun to see him succeed. That's going to do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. See you next week.